0: Hello, everybody. It's Stu. Uh, Before we begin this week's episode, I'd like to give a shout out to a particularly astute listener of the show. Actually, my brother-in-law, Ben, who pointed out in an email that during the season one finale episode, Dave and I spent a great deal of time sort of castigating the writers of the show for completely screwing up um, the mechanics, the weaponry, the staging or whatever of this attack on the presidential motorcade. But then we also completely neglected to mention in the season two premiere that the writers then wrote the Secret Service and Ron Butterfield in like a debriefing setting, saying the same exact analysis that Dave and I did of the choice of weaponry, the choice of positioning, whatever it was. Um, Dave and I actually had no recollection of this scene happening before we watched it. And we actually spent time before we recorded you know, chuckling about it and being like, wow, they, you know, they thought the same thing we did or whatever, and then completely neglected to mention it during our recording of the episode because we were having such a good time otherwise. So anyway, consider this a mea culpa, excellent observation, and thanks for listening. Enjoy this week's episode.
1: But don't talk about revolution, that's going a little bit too far.
0: Hello, and welcome once again to more like The Worst Wing, the show where here in 2019 we treat Aaron Sorkin's seminal television series, The West Wing, with a bit more critical um, leftist, socialist, political perspective. I am Stu.
1: And I am Dave.
0: And welcome to episode three of the second season. It is entitled, almost fittingly, we missed it by a couple months, The Midterms.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, in which planning of and execution of the midterms all (laughs) happens in one episode.
0: All happens very abruptly. Very
1: quickly. (laughs) Uh, Uh. So let's just hop right into it. So we start off with a good old-fashioned walk and talk, and I do mean good and old-fashioned. It feels like the show is kind of making a statement of like, hey, you know, we're back in the daily, you know, status quo of the show. Like yes, there has been this major shooting thing and it still happened and we're still dealing with it because you know, it comes up a lot in this episode obviously. But, you know, it feels like the show is kind of be like, "Hey, we're we're back. We're back in it. We're back in the swing of things now."
0: Yeah, and it'll be revisited throughout where it's like actually, I think they 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 do a relatively adept job of being like this issue was a thing, but now we are bringing it back to like the Shows core oof, whatever. Yeah, we're gonna be talking about politics, not not
1: just the drama of a shooting. Of the interpersonal stuff, right? Yeah. Uh, So it's this one is CJ in preparing for a press briefing, and uh, we get the nice kind of Sorkin thing where he like telegraphs a joke way before it actually happens, uh, where Josh says physicists and cj gets it confused with psychics and he's like make sure you get that right before you go on the briefing and then in the briefing she says psychics uh and we <laughs> smash cut to a nice physical shot of bradley whitford ramming his head into his headboard watching <laughs> I at wonder home
0: what's going to happen <laughs>
1: yeah. uh, uh which i always appreciate little bits of physical comedy like that We get Mm -hmm. uh, a line here from Toby about the increase of the CPI and why it doesn't actually matter. That I feel like you could unpack a lot, lot
0: Uh, but it really isn't an actual topic.
1: Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) like they don't they don't go into it at all beyond the thing Toby says about. Uh, But sometimes, you know, like cars introduce airbags and that makes them a little more expensive, but they're much better that way. And it's like that seems like simplifying costs going up, but okay.
0: Yeah, whatever you say, man. Let's just Sure, CPI doesn't question. actually
1: matter, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Let's get the briefing done. Uh, so yeah. she goes and does the briefing, and it's mostly just used as a joke for our cold open. Uh, and yep. then when we come back from the cold open, um, is that where Sam we're is We're talking meeting? about
0: polling, baby.
1: Oh, we're, yeah, we get right away to the approval rating of 81%. Turns out all you know? have to do is get shot to get the approval of the entire <laughs> yeah. country.
0: Well, and we mentioned this when we were talking about the shooting itself, where it's like both in the TV realm and the real world realm, this would most likely lead to something like that based on...
1: Just general human sympathy of like, oh shit, you got shot, that sucks.
0: Yep, people's proclivities to be like, I empathize with you. And so obviously what this show is going to do and what the West Wing excels at is basically destroy and denigrate its own case for making hay with right. that reality. <laughs>
1: right, so so they all sit down, and they're pleased as punch, because for the first time, all the polling is in their favor in a major huge way, uh, and they're sort of like, okay, great, so we can use this to take back the House, and they immediately get into like, okay, this district's good, this district's good, and stuff like that, and I'm like, wow, this feels novel, Democrats actually planning to win things. <laughs>
0: yeah. And having a strategy based around, like, successes that they can, you know, actually leverage. But then, I mean, I feel like the whole rest of the episode is devoted to being, like, and, we shouldn't.
1: Right. Well, not just we shouldn't, but also that we failed at doing it, too. <laughs> um. Yeah. <laughs>
0: And so in that context of like identifying house districts where to go, we are actually introduced to two new minor characters.
1: Yeah. So Sam meets with an old, what is meant to be an old friend of his that he hasn't seen in a few years, who has now acquired a wife and a child, uh, and is a prosecutor. Um, and he wants this guy to run for Congress because no one can pin him with soft on crime since he's a very aggressive prosecutor, which I believe Sam, uh, (laughs) basically marks as a huge positive uh, uh who, dude he runs down
0: he runs down his
1: shit. yeah yeah he runs down his stats uh, and his
0: like the biggest longest credential check we've seen in a long yeah. time well,
1: which also includes listening that he is uh very charming and attractive which for the record him and his wife both are very pretty and like distractingly pretty even though rob lowe is sitting across from them
0: Yes, it's probably the most attractive room full of characters that we've seen. On the <laughs> yeah, film, like, so.
1: <laughs> on on the night version of this, where they all have sex together, that would be a very yeah, good scene. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, But yeah, so, uh, this is more of a setup for later on in the episode, where we find out that this dude uh, has some skeletons in his closet, uh, specifically... Mm-hmm. Uh, from being a prosecutor who prefers white juries and was in an all-white fraternity, and like we just we find out those two little tidbits, and on hearing the second one, Leo's like, "Yeah, all right, we're done with this fuck."
0: <laughs> well, and it's so this is part of the thing that I thought was quite abrupt, and we can talk about this now because mm-hmm. I mean, it's it really does it really kind of drops after role. this, yeah. uh, Other
1: than the big shouting thing his wife has <sighs> after the betrayal, uh, which yeah. is weird, but we'll get to that
0: so this is something that has always driven me crazy it's that why and i guess this is a generic question it's very apropos in 2019 is why the fuck are prosecutors specifically considered to be ripe for being politicians in the making
1: and i think sam sam kind of lets in on the whole soft on crime thing and particularly back in the 90s or you know 2000s now that we're getting into on the show you know, soft on crime was, like, a big thing that Democrats thought was a major weakness of theirs. Um, Because crime had peaked in, like, the 70s and 80s, and we hadn't quite yet yet gotten all the data on the fact that crime was dropping recordly, you know, decade over decade, and that, you know, crime is the lowest it's ever been, basically. Um, And so the the perception of being soft on crime seemed like a big weakness to them.
0: Yeah, and that's obviously, like, this was sort of the the real avenue of like trying to it was beat also, republicans It was a by way the republicans. right like,
1: to attack as well a lot too. Sure yeah yeah and
0: we we talked about this before where it's like this is this is the triangulation that happens but it just seems especially you know relevant to today where Kamala Harris is generically considered to be like the non-Bernie frontrunner mm-hmm. in in the democratic primary for president it's like these this show almost provides like For exactly why this is bad, because if you are participating in the just the quote unquote justice system at at a at that level, it almost should immediately disqualify you from claiming to embody or promote these rights that you are supposed to embrace as a as a democrat
1: unless you're advocating for tearing it down and replacing it wholeheartedly which none of these prosecutors ever are (laughs) for some reason yeah (laughs) the idea that you can be a progressive prosecutor just feels like such an oxymoron at this point in time
0: oh and it i mean it there's a very rovian uh hint to the words progressive prosecutor mm-hmm. it is something that has passionate
1: conservative
0: <laughs> exactly exactly yeah. it has been focus grouped and created whole cloth in a way that makes me feel very just uh, it's a slimy thing to get people's minds to kind of uh, conflate the right. two words and this is going on i mean it happens all the time i literally sat in on a little thing this week about like the intersection of the big push to decarcerate people with the institutions that are like you can't do you want to work with them to reform them or just destroy them? And frankly it's just like any attempt to meet in the middle in this sort of triangulated garbage way is doomed to fail at the outset.
1: Right. I mean And as you said so the show countive. the show basically lays out the reasons as as to why because they they quickly and easily find these two things that they immediately realize are disqualifying. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they say, OK, well, we're going to cut off all the support that Sam promised he would give these people, which then gets the the resolution of when on election night they come in screaming into Sam's office and his wife screams at him about, oh, if we ever get the opportunity to screw you, Sam, we will, because you backed out on your support after finding out my husband was racist.
0: Yeah, well, and it sort of gives away the game, too, where it's like these are the most, I mean, honestly, the disqualifications that they consider whether it's for cynical reasons or not, are very, and I I might be, might be showing my age a little bit here, but it's like, it seems very not a bad thing. It's like, uh,
1: you could, I, I think, you know, it, we didn't get a lot of discussion about like the demographic make makeup of its district, but the implication there, I think they say at some point that, um, some black civil rights groups are, you know, making some waves or, you know, writing some articles about like how this dude sucks and and stuff because of like his prosecutorial shenanigans.
0: Oh, it's, I think it was okay. Okay, there's there's two things that they they um like they ding him on. It's he was a member of an all white fraternity, right? And he was a he is known for getting all white juries, selecting all white juries, yeah. yeah. White juries. yeah. Yes. And again, both of those. <sighs> fully understanding each independently
1: is not bad, but the two of them together starts to paint a pattern and it's enough for the white house to be like, okay, we're no, there's other people with less baggage.
0: And and again, like that seems like relatively minor baggage individually. Like he's not out there fucking flying a Confederate flag over San Francisco, (laughs) um, you know, or whatever the hell it is. And it's just like, you're almost they're they give like they, they take the mask off right away it's like so you're basically just disingenuous at, at the outset of right shit. well you can't like, run a prosecutor without right. him having this baggage so right
1: but they they thought they could uh and particularly sam after hearing the first reveal says like ah we'll work around it it's no big deal oh, yeah you know like so they just they thought they could get around it you know they recognized the weaknesses and they didn't care
0: yeah absolutely and it to again to the credit their credit they they ditch him immediately right but like yeah what and and again this doesn't seem to have resonated um in the way it should with the, right. particularly with the people who make up this show's audience in right.
1: 2019 <laughs> yeah it's it, and it just ends up being this weird character moment where like we feel bad for sam because he's getting yelled at for reasons out of his control essentially but you know, I get why the wife is angry but at the same sure. time like you weren't even thinking of running for congress before this and now like 5 weeks later you're acting like the like you've ruined this man's life or something like it's just weird
0: Yeah and we don't honestly and that's the kind of the problem that I considered it to be somewhat abrupt was that we don't actually see anything happen mm-hmm. with them or him yeah, on the campaign we get trail literally him nothing in the beyond sweat be on the yeah. meeting
1: with sam and then then yelling another one election <laughs> night yeah like literally nothing everything else is internal discussion yeah um but yeah so, i think that wraps up this yeah, this don't, particular don't run
0: prosecutors arc. for congress just maybe, don't or or any political office you know just don't and, like fuck prosecutors
1: yes if if you you're know, one fuck you yeah there's there are ways to reform the justice system i know um philadelphia's uh what district attorney i think
0: yeah, Larry um, doing
1: some, Yeah, is doing some real good work right now. Uh, and there's a couple others around the country and stuff like that. But a district attorney is not a pros- – is, I mean, sort of a prosecutor, but –
0: It's uh, an administrative position more than – Yeah, it's like he's not in court, cases.
1: you know. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, whereas this guy was literally, like, in court locking people up.
0: <laughs> run fucking public defenders.
1: Yeah, run. Like, yeah, run the yeah, other side on. of – you know, yeah. <laughs> like – run the side for justice
0: we're, we're about to do one in queens like tiffany caban is gonna be run. she's a pd and she's running for queens yeah, DA. yeah like, like it's, it's so easy, weird guys. it's like
1: okay if you want to do lawyers you know there's a whole other side <laughs> that like doesn't lock people up you know like
0: and and frankly they could also be said to not necessarily be soft on crime but like have right. the like the ins and outs of the system under their belt that would be the right they
1: understand it enough to hopefully yeah. you know critique it or reform it or build up a new a better new one but you know uh but, so yeah that wraps yeah. up the the prosecutor running for congress plot line let's take a quick break here and then we'll uh dip into the other major plot lines of this episode okay and so we're back so the next this isn't really a major plot point, but the next thing we'll talk about is, uh, for some reason, Mrs. Lanningham is... Oh, she's at a funeral. She's at a funeral for the guy that died in the cold open, I assume. Yeah, um, I guess. I, uh, so she's she's attending his funeral, and she needs tech support on her computer for some reason, and so Margaret tells Charlie, hey, the tech support guy is coming by, Make you know point him to Mrs. Lanningham's computer when he gets here. His name is Jonathan McIntosh. And she goes, you know, Macintosh, like the apple. (laughs) Meaning the fruit, not the Mm, computer. This episode was made in 2000. The iMac came out in 1998 and uh, was currently fucking selling like like, hotcakes. (laughs) Peak
0: blueberry colored iMac bullshit Uh, time period. uh,
1: The idea of Macintosh like the apple being your first go to just okay fine whatever margaret's weird fine okay but then charlie does it later and charlie's young and hip and uses a computer every day he knows macintosh means the computer Uh it's it's bizarre and i don't know why i twigged on it so much (laughs) other than they did it multiple times but it's just bizarre
0: when i was thinking about it it's the the conclusion is technically correct in that apple the brand named its computer right. after a
1: type Right, right, of after apple. the fruit, sure. But, but it's now like, it's replaced not... <laughs> that. Like, <laughs> yeah. that's the more famous one now. Yeah. The, the computer is more famous than the apple at this point.
0: Yeah, it's it's like... Um... If his name was
1: Jonathan Granny Smith and you said, like, the apple, <laughs> that's fine.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Hello, my name's Jonathan <laughs> Granny Smith. <laughs> oh, that sounds delicious. <laughs> <laughs> so this is... Throughout this episode, the Charlie stuff is woven like they they don't they don't really focus they're on pretty it, but minor it's, uh, but it's, it's effective yeah because uh, he was, even just
1: his presence um when toby and cj are yelling at each other adds a lot i feel
0: and remember at the end of the last episode ron butterfield was like tobe like the president wasn't the target man like, right
1: yeah he has to break it to charlie of like hey yeah it was you and Zoe, you know, that they yeah. were trying to kill. Probably S- mostly you. So you know?
0: he's he's carrying that, and and honestly, they do a pretty good job. They bring in yeah. Elizabeth Moss again and say like, "Hey, between the two, like they're having some tension there." Right. And Charlie's sort of walking around. Like, you can tell he's like in the tense ether. or stressed yeah. or
1: you know he's not normal. You know he's yeah. not quite a hundred percent.
0: And then so they use this they use this Jonathan McIntosh and his young son Jeffrey McIntosh. Mm-hmm. as like just another it's just another like mystical negro stereotype that comes through where Charlie Charlie interacts with these two twice mm-hmm. um through the end of the first episode first with the kid first with on the kid yep and, and then with the like dad it's just like a weird cute kid. kid
1: moment for literally no reason
0: Yeah, I couldn't figure it out either.
1: Yeah, (laughs) like Like, it's just like he has a nice conversation with the kid. Okay, great. Was that worth a minute of screen time?
0: Yeah, and and then like they interact again later, where Jonathan McIntosh, in his you know wonderful empathy, is like, it's like if they're shooting at you, you must be doing something right. Right. And like, okay, (laughs) sure. Look, man, I'm I all of my friends and family think i'm a radical too but like i i can be doing things right without fearing for my but life daily. i get the <laughs>
1: spirit of what he's trying to say and it, it like it ultimately he's trying to comfort the kid essentially so like his his motivations are noble but it's just handled in a very weird way
0: and it feels um. again it feels again like they are really leaning on the fact that charlie is black Right. It is. It is always. Like, always why does it have about, to be a
1: black guy who tells him this? Yes, like, exactly. You know, like, exactly.
0: Yeah. and why? Why do we have to see Charlie reflected in him and and be forced? It's it's like we're 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 being cut. And like,
1: oh boy, not to be cynical here, but then it feels like the kid is just there to be like, see, he's a good black father. He takes <sighs> care of his his black son. Like, it just if. Uh,
0: Yeah, it it feels
1: a little gross.
0: Yeah, it's it's slightly exploitative, and frankly, what I what I wrote down, I was like, you have other recurring black. Characters right, including that...
1: one you just introduced, Nancy McNally, legit, <laughs> uh, <laughs> or you know Admiral Fitz which they've already had, you know, done a couple with them. Yeah, like, yeah, bust Fitz out again if you want to have this conversation, particularly since he's a military man who presumably has been shot at before.
0: Yes, exactly, and you could <laughs> and could, could... like
1: re- literally relate the experience of like, hey man, I've been shot at too. You know, like that could be a lot more powerful.
0: Yeah, and 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 give an opportunity to develop. Both characters, and, mm-hmm. and frankly, look the the thing that I, I don't want to say is that we shouldn't be minimizing the blackness of basically the only recurring like Fitz and Nancy McNally show up occasionally, but right. Charlie is the only basically main minority cast member. main yes. cast member. So yes, um, it is good to emphasize like to be inclusive in that fashion. But- right.
1: No, and I I like Charlie's presence. Like I said, in um, there's a scene later on where Toby and we'll get into this more when we talk about Toby's thing but Toby's kind of having his little PTSD freak out from the fact that he was shot at as well and he's kind of getting caught up in a political issue as his way of dealing with it and just the, and when he's he's having an argument with CJ about it and just the fact that Charlie is there behind CJ adds so much power to like to Toby's argument in that moment I feel yes. because yes. it's like look here's the proof here's the boy they were shooting at like
0: yeah, and and also there was no there was no reason for him to be in that shot. Otherwise, they could have did right. this conversation. The conversation they have could have worked out anywhere else. And so
1: right, so I, yeah. Again, yeah. Well, I don't want to say like we're poo pooing like Charlie. Obviously, it just it can be handled better. It, yes. you know it, you can handle this in a more mature way that that adds not just depth to the character but more depth to the conversation as well.
0: Although I do really enjoy how um, Zoe and Charlie end. The episode yes. where they reconcile out on the porch, they you know they share a kiss, and then, and then Leo makes <laughs> makes a condom joke about them going out, <laughs> which is awesome because he's like, "We you, you need to bring extra protection," and Charlie's like, "What?" secret
1: service protection was like, yeah secret service nudge uh, uh, nudge uh,
0: wink, wink wink
1: wink no but really get some magnums <laughs> oh, man, <it's>
0: <laughs> my monster condom for my magnum doll.
1: oops my secret service agent dropped yeah. dropped my magnum condoms that i haven't carried for me <laughs>
0: That's an always sunny joke, everybody. Watch that show. Um, (laughs) Anyway, so I think that about covers Charlie. Um, Let's take another brief, brief break and come back and talk about um, Toby and President Dad here in a second. So the character that in this episode ends up sort of manifesting the kind of the PTSD that's simmering below the surface of the administration is, surprisingly enough, Toby. Mm -hmm. um, Because usually he is the... You know, he's the principled crusader angry type, but he's also very reserved and he right. doesn't He's usually he doesn't pretty have a lot downplayed. Of emotion. Yeah,
1: he's yeah, usually not yelling, you know.
0: Yeah, so in this episode Toby is really struggling and again, there are elements to the facts around the shooting, the white supremacist groups, Toby yeah, is Jewish.
1: So part of it is that we don't get any real info about like the investigation itself into the actual crime. I mean, we we caught the shooter or not the shooter but the the, the shooter's accomplice. dead. Yeah. We caught the guy on the ground and all we know is that he's a member of a white pride organization, West Virginia White Pride, and presumably he's, you know, locked up for life or whatever, but like we don't really get any closure out of the investigation as to like you know so on, on that Toby is kind of taking that ball and running with it and saying like, well, why don't we investigate not only them but every white pride organization yeah. in the country
0: yeah and he's uh, he is sort of the the avatar of what the administration wants to avoid of politicizing what happened right so toby wants to take it to you know hate groups take it to right. registered members get the of fbi
1: investigating yeah. all of these people and, and and arresting them essentially
0: yeah and you know he's he's pretty uh, fervent about it and he uses A lot of words he (laughs) describes. Yeah. He describes the Warren court as ultra activist, which had me rolling my eyes pretty fucking hard. (laughs) Um, But I guess generally, you know, this is where a lot of the rubber hits the road on these arguments with free speech, civil liberties versus, you know, public safety or whatever. It's, you know, you can't, you can't stop police. Right.
1: This is basically every other character's response to him is like, uh, what about that pesky little First Amendment, Toby? And he's like, I'll get around it. (laughs)
0: you know this actually sort of again it's perfectly apropos today in that sort of the higher level um like manifestation of his thoughts is that in in this fictitious universe of a television show where people we like and agree with will retain this particular power forever Mm -hmm. yeah fucking go nuts i'm cheering for toby's argument to win and we can fucking lock up everybody as he says that wears a white sheet right but in the real world and as this is sort of presented as a counter argument here is that maybe let's not do that because the that that premise is completely unrealistic right and eventually you can't
1: you can't just say i'll lock up all the bad people because then when the republican gets in next time and has also the power to lock up what he considers to be all the bad people oopsie daisies
0: (laughs) yeah yeah that value judgment all of a sudden encompasses me and, yeah. you know, my comrades, like, exactly.
1: we're, we're going to so, be the
0: ones they come for.
1: So. Yeah, there, there's perhaps a more nuanced argument to be made here about, like, you know, holding a white pride rally, uh, maybe not being a freedom of association that we allow kind of thing. But he doesn't really even get that nuance into it. He's basically just like, I want to lock up everyone who's a member of a of a white pride organization
0: yes and um they they really don't go down the road of how the technicalities would work out because it's right. it's meant to be it's meant to be it's uh, meant to be know, silly this emo- it's this like Id, yeah it's meant to be this emotional be decisions yeah. yes um, of like i just want to
1: lock up everyone who did this to me
0: yeah and you know again there's huh, I'll i'll just briefly say it like this is actually how the legacy of the Obama administration has worked out. Yes, like, effectively. Our, our our current executive branch is, you know, ninety percent due to the fact that the eight years of the Obama administration was spent accumulating and reserving this power to the executive, right? With the expectation that Democrats would hold the presidency forever,
1: right? And you know. Be- Part of it was because Congress was, you know, stymied so much and, and mm-hmm. gridlock to fuck. But like, he didn't actually use any of that executive power to actually push anything,
0: yeah, to do gr- anything
1: or do anything <laughs> effective with it. Just bad shit with it, like you know, drone people and shit like that. And yeah. so now that droning power has passed right on to <laughs> President Donald Trump. Congratulations! Great
0: job, everybody involved. Um, yeah, but so the, the, the argument is made. Cj's yeah.
1: being the voice of reason throughout this whole thing of, hey, you know, First Amendment, you know, hey, you can't just lock up people for thought crime, stuff like that. And it, just, and it eventually pushes Toby to, the, like, this angry point he has that we mentioned earlier, where, where Charlie is there watching this this argument play out, uh, and he kind of has to be the one that, like, pulls the ripcord and says, like, hey, CJ President needs to see you now to, to defuse the tension.
0: Yeah. Well, and so it, it eventually ends up with a conversation between toby and the president prior yes. to the president going out to talking with this radio association on election oh yeah we haven't even gotten the
1: radio thing but we'll cover that in a yeah. little, little <laughs> bit too uh but so okay so toby toby basically comes to the president and kind of he lays out the argument as well the president kind of responds a little with you know the obvious hey first amendment blah 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 toby kind of accepts it and then asks like hey, can I have some time off? I'm clearly not dealing with this whole situation very well. And, <laughs> and the, the, first, the first thing the president says is, "Is of course, Toby, take all the time you want. And I'm like, oh, thank you. That's a very reasonable, appropriate response. And then he goes, 15 minutes and then get back to work <laughs> because you just get back to doing the work and you have to soldier through and, and be a strong man.
0: Like, and, and, and we've spent most of the episode experiencing how... The president is incapable of fucking soldiering through this shit. He's <laughs> yeah. picking fights with a school board candidate in New Hampshire yeah, that and he ran clear- against at some point. You can like,
1: clearly, you know, draw a line of, like, this is his way of acting out, of his particular absolutely. PTSD, of having been shot, of, like, getting obsessed about this stupid school board thing that we've barely talked about. But, uh, yeah. Where <laughs> well, and it fucking, isn't
0: worth talking about, because it's just, like, it's legit. It's such it's, a petty, minor thing. It's so thing. petty and stupid, but...
1: Yeah. And, and that,
0: again, that it is, it's the vehicle through which the president is sort of exercising this particular demon. And so right. when he talks, he takes the high horse when he's talking to Toby about this shit. It's just like, are you fucking kidding? Yeah. Dude, like you've wasted all this time and frankly, all this screen time and lines talking about a school board candidate in New Hampshire that you're beefing with because like you ran against each other 20 years ago. And right. I, I felt like I was being gaslighted by the end of the episode because it's like, why do we hate the school board candidate? They never yeah, talk about, they
1: never say why other than just, he's a guy I ran against. And so therefore he's Hitler Mussolini, you know, I like. just,
0: it, it was, it was absolutely mind blowing. So, I do like
1: that. Bartlett <laughs> makes the, makes the point for, uh, why entryism is good though of like, these are all the people who do the actual governing these low, these little fucks at these low-level positions, you know, and so if you get a bunch of them elected, you can actually get a lot of shit done. Yes, absolutely. Like, yeah, thanks. That's basically the DSA's argument in a <laughs> yeah, nutshell, there, yeah, Bartlett.
0: That's what we're looking for, man.
1: Yeah, great.
0: And so, and then the kind of the this this segues again somewhat abruptly into this radio night thing, where right, so they were they're having
1: a, a a a reception. For, <clears throat> for national talk radio people. Uh, DJs, talk radio people, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, and CJ it's, CJ gets a couple funny scenes where she's just talking to radio guys who are explaining how the radio business works, and CJ like could give giving. zero fucks about <laughs> yeah. any of it and is clearly just like making polite conversation until she gets pulled away by someone. Uh, so that's always fun. But then uh, we get a... Is she, uh, is she meant to be Dr. Laura? No, like it's, um, who is who is she specifically? I think you're close. Supposedly.
0: It's Laura Ingram. Laura, because, oh, okay, because she's I'm pretty be sure she was on she was on the radio before she went to Fox News.
1: That makes sense.
0: I'm uh, yeah, I may be mistaken, um, but that that is yep,
1: radio show host in two thousand one.
0: Yep. Well, yeah. So regardless, a little she's, a
1: little late, but she's. You know, it's, the point is, she's a, you know, a blonde white lady who spouses awful conservative religious rhetoric about, you know, how the gays are, you know, abominations and, you know, all that kind of bullshit. And so we get this, this scene that I'm sure is very iconic in all the liberal fans of this show (laughs) where he gives her a big dressing down about how she's a fucking hypocrite because the bible also says this ridiculous shit about not wearing cotton and being able to sell your daughter as a slave (laughs) uh and then ends it all with this whole and by the way when i stand nobody sits because she's been sitting this whole time while he's been standing uh and she kind of chasenly makes an expression of like "Uh oh i got caught by president dad i did did
0: Oopsie, it and and
1: stands up shamefully and it just kind of undermines the whole argument if you have to make it this weird macho flex about you gotta stand when i stand
0: yeah, because frankly, he'd been making the, the like, and so I, I had two thoughts about this. One is that all the like the Bible hypocrisy points that he's making is fucking played as hell and boring in 2019. We all sure. know, we all know that none of these people actually the time, believe in the Bible, but at the time, yeah, it was. Uh, and I was I was trying to do a little bit of research for the show because I'm in my thoughts and my perception of how it worked out. Like the late 90s, early 2000s was when the sort of moral majority framing finally started to be pushed back on by the nominal left in the country yeah. and and not being just accepted at face value as something that can drive policy decisions but Again, I was 16 when this episode was filmed, so, like, I don't right. really know. Um, Same, yeah. But, but uh, it seems like that was when it, it it started to finally kind of get its I wheels. I think, you, and you know, like, and you
1: can argue, like, maybe the internet connecting various, you know, peoples together of, of you know, realizing, like, hey, there are gay people out there and some of them are cool and not abominations. And, yeah. like, it might just be as simple as that kind of thing was kind of helped driving the narrative forward of, like, maybe we shouldn't let this dumb religious crap lead our morals and politics
0: yeah well and and then it's like it's just incredibly it seems again here's that word puerile that the fucking president needs to come and flex on this woman like right
1: cool yeah okay i feel i feel like if anything it should be like cj flexing on her because this is more like her department or maybe toby because he's communications or something like it's weird that it has to go all the way up to the president you know yeah 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 like and, you could have had other people call her out but having Bartlett do it sends a bigger message yeah and it's like it, and man. like you said it's all too perfect you know he just happens to visit the radio thing <laughs> she just happens to be making this like a mass statement by remaining seated that draws his attention to her had she just stood i don't think he would have said no, anything no he wouldn't have gone in you nope. know like that's kind of the whole point of like it's it's all a little too perfect and cliche it feels like a a political forward in in television scene form you know
0: yeah well and you know it's it's all about reestablishing his his clarity i guess as as president dad you know it's it's all this transference around yeah
1: this is this is sort of like okay we're we're through the we're through the woods here we're we're back to you know understanding who we are and here's our enemies and we can smack them down when we need to kind of thing
0: yeah, absolutely. To and
1: to end on a more triumphant note than the episode. Well, the actual end is the drinking on the uh on the and court on the steps, right? This is a
0: perfect segue because it's actually not a particularly <laughs> triumphant note.
1: Yeah, so th- this would have been a triumphant <laughs> end had it ended right here after this scene, but it doesn't cuz then we get uh see C- who is it CJ, Donna and Sam go to visit Josh? Uh, yeah, and Toby. And Toby yeah, they all go to visit Josh, because Josh can't come in, because he's still recovering from being shot very seriously. Yeah. Uh, and so he's just h- chilling at home for, uh, what is presumably, what, like a month, I guess? Yeah, at least. Because it's all the midterms yep. uh, that he's out for, because they come on midterm election night yep. to hang out. Um, and then they're drinking and go ahead what which, you which gonna, is awesome because josh yeah. josh is
0: drinking beer while recovering from very serious uh, i mean surgery. it's been
1: like five or six yeah, weeks which, at this which is, point he's probably fine, fine but and
0: they, they they take a stab at cj being tall because he's wearing her pajamas
1: <laughs> yeah the extra extra large or whatever uh, and, i would like to point out earlier that that So since he's been out of the office, he's been calling and bugging people the whole time because he's bored. So, like, he calls and bugs Leo, and he's, like, blathering on about string theory or some nonsense. And Leo goes, hey, how did that bullet not kill you? Yeah. (laughs) I'm just, like, fucking savage. Yeah. (laughs) That was great. And
0: then we learn from Sam as he, like, dejectedly hangs up the phone and comes away from the car to sit on the stoop with them that for all their efforts in these contested districts at the midterms <laughs> or whatever i had the, forgotten. The house has stayed exactly the same. <laughs> Woo yeah. We did it <laughs> We put all this and literally da, saying, da, he literally says
1: That's right. Drop strike the confetti.
0: Up, <laughs> strike up the band and drop the confetti. We spent he says four hundred million dollars.
1: <laughs> oh man.
0: Uh, <laughs> you just imagine what that money could have been repurposed for, it's, and instead, it's too,
1: it's too perfect. Yes, <laughs> yes. like it, you had eighty-one percent approval ratings. Now, to be fair, they do mention that it's actually like sixty-one percent mm-hmm. when it comes down to, but even still, sixty-one percent approval rating, and you didn't even win the fucking house, which is like, <laughs> good god. <Yeah. laughs>
0: Well, and, and in this way, it is actually really, I, I just kind of was thinking that this really wraps up the episode almost perfectly because we spent most of the episode being like, okay, we're going to revert to the norm here. It's time to bring the show back into its wheelhouse. Like all this action and interpersonal drama was, you know, a stretch for him and it worked out well, really well. A, but now a high peak, but
1: we have to bring it back
0: down. Now we're going to bring it back reasons. down, baby. Yeah. And we're going to close this episode out with With nothing a fucking doubter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: Oh god, it's too perfect.
0: <laughs> so, and I think honestly that, that's about that, it.
1: <laughs> that wraps up everything. Um there's, uh, there's like nah, uh, there were a couple little minor things, but really they're pretty small and I, I got to everything uh everything we wanted to get to, I think. Yeah, so, um, uh thank you and uh for joining us all on this wonderful journey uh into Aaron Sorkin's work. We will continue next time with the next episode entitled In This White House, Ooh. Um, which is when a confident Sam is outmatched by a novice Republican advisor on a political point-counterpoint television program. Oh, I know what this is. Oh, this I know is what this is our introduction <laughs> of Ainsley Hayes. Yeah, that's right, baby. <laughs> oh, that's going to be fun. Um, she she ends up being a recurring character for quite a few seasons, I believe. Oh, yeah. um, oh yeah. And she's, she the, she's the centrist wet dream oh god yeah we'll Literally get, so we'll get into that oh god so um we'll, yeah. get, we'll get into that next time uh in the meantime feel free to drop us a comment in the thread despite my unjust provisions uh we will <laughs> we will view it and respond to it in time
0: free wampa lord free, wampa
1: lord. free matey <laughs> um uh, you could drop us an email at theworstwing worstwing69 at gmail.com.
0: Very nice. Very
1: nice. Uh, and we'll see you all next week uh, to discuss another episode on more like the worst wing. Bye. Bye-bye. bye. but don't ask me to come on alive. So love me, love me, love me, I'm a liberal.